They have a great program downstairs, kids' church going on, and uh, they're going to go back stairs and enjoy that. We're glad that you're here today to worship the Lord with us, and if you would take your Bible and open up to the book of Judges chapter 7, if you have your Bible with you, Judges chapter 7, and uh, we're talking about preparing for battles today. <clears throat> last week, last week, Pastor uh, was introduced to us a character in the Bible, Gideon, and we're going to pick up talking about Gideon today, but uh, as we do, I want, I, want to, I want you to think with me about when you've made a plan in your life to do something. I don't know if that's ever happened, that you've made a plan and, and you're ready to execute the plan, you think this is going to go off just perfect the way that you planned it, and then all of a sudden it doesn't quite go the way that you planned it to go. Uh, this happens for me on family vacations. Uh, you know, I always like to plan a family vacation that uh, we're going to do so much in this family vacation, and I have this all planned out, and yet when I get there, everything changes because um, I have two teenage daughters, and they have their plan, what they think ought to happen, right? And then I have my wife, and she has her plan, what she thinks ought to happen. Uh, last summer, <clears throat> I planned a day, I called it family day. I said, we're going to have a family day, right? 17-year-old and a 15-year-old daughter. And my wife, we were going to have family day, right? So I said, we're going to go to Kennywood, and it's going to be great fun. And, uh, but my kids looked at me and said, Dad, you realize we're not five years old anymore. They said, uh, it is fun, but we don't want to walk around Kennywood with you anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? I'll buy you ice cream. Oh, gee, thanks, Dad. And, and so you know, and I'm, I'm going on about how fun this is going to be. And, and, and you know, after about an hour of like, you know, understand it. it took me a while to understand this plan isn't going to work the way that I thought it was going to work and so my plans were changed and quite often that's what happens sometimes we get a plan going on in our life where we think we're going to go down maybe a career certain career and and the plan changes and we're not in that career anymore uh, sometimes in family situations we get heading in one direction and, and plans change so many things change in our life and how do, we, how do we deal with those changes? This morning we're going to look at Gideon. And here we see how the, he had a plan and God worked with his plan and changed his plan. I'm going to start actually in the book of Judges chapter 6. We're just going to recap here. Judges chapter 6 verse 1. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and strongholds, which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also Malachites, other enemies, and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of, of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance for Israel." Neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. But both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter into the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Let's just stop here for a moment and, and refresh where we're at here, the situation. Israel keeps going back into the cycle. Uh, remember, it was the cycle where they would walk with God, they would enjoy 
times of blessing, and then they would fall away from God. And here we see that they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And as they had fallen away from God, God cared enough about them to bring, uh, to bring things into their life that would gain their attention, that would get their attention to come back to a dependency upon who God is, a dependency on God himself. Here the enemy was coming up, and they were as numerous as locusts. There were just so many of them. And they would come in, and they would swarm in on the land on their camels, and they would just, they would just take everything that they had. And so this was, this was a way of God getting their attention. And the, the exciting part this morning is that this is the heart of God. We see here that uh, whenever, some, whenever we turn back to God, He is there accepting us back. And that is, that is a powerful part of the, of, the, of the story here, of the history of Israel. We see that they had, they had been away from the Lord. They did what was evil on the side of the Lord. But God brings things into our life that get our attention. Verse 6, So Israel was greatly impoverished, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, He didn't turn His back on them. He didn't say, Well, you know, how many times do I have to tell you, Israel? What's wrong with you? No, he worked with them and he brought them back and was his, his job, God was bringing them back to a point of restoration. And so God cared about the children of Israel. And sometimes in our life, I want to give you that reminder that sometimes there's things that come into our life that just are there to get our attention back to who God is. And those things do that. And I found that typically those things are not always good things. Have you noticed that? They're typically bad things that happen, things that, things that come into our life that get our attention. Uh, maybe it's a, a loss of a job or uh, a loss of almost anything that we value. Uh, when, when we go through those times, our attention, it, we can come back to God. and we, Why? Because we need Him. And it's time to rely on Him. So what does Israel do? They cry out to the Lord, and the Lord did not turn, their back, turn His back on them. As a matter of fact, Judges 6.12 the angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon, and he said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now I want to remind you here that the Lord told Gideon that he'd be a mighty man of valor, but there was just one problem. He wasn't a warrior. He was a farmer. And this farmer, he, he was out actually trying to gather, gather what he was doing in, in his farm work to put it away, put the produce away so that the enemy would not be able to find it whenever the enemy came. He wasn't thinking in terms of a warrior. And God comes to him and says, you are a mighty man of valor. God sometimes changes our plans. And this is what he did for Gideon. <clears throat> Judges chapter 7, verse 1, uh, as we pick up today. Then Gideon and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod. So that the camp of the Midianites and on the north, was on the north side of them by the hill of Marah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give to the, Midian, uh, to give the Midianites into their hands. The first point in your notes this morning is that God's plans are different than our plans. God's plans are often different than our plans. I want you to think with me. Gideon was, here he was a farmer, and, he, and God says, you're going to be a mighty man of valor. And, be, and so 
Gideon, he went, if you go through chapter 6 and read it, you see how Gideon went back and forth with the Lord. Keep showing me a sign. Keep showing me a sign. Are you really sure you can do this with me, basically? And he says, you are a mighty man of valor, and I am going to deliver the Midianites at your hand, Gideon. And so Gideon is just really struggling with this. He's insecure, and he has fear even. And so God's plans are often different than our plans. What happens is Gideon goes out and recruits an army. Recruits an army of about 32,000 men. Now think of, think of, the, think of the, uh, the Midianites that they had to go up against. This was the enemy that was coming in and taking everything that they had. And the cycle was going over and over. Uh, the scripture says that they were like locusts. There were just so many of them you couldn't count them. Many Bible scholars believe that there were about 120,000 to 140,000 men, uh, warriors that they, had to, that they had to face. So here, they were outnumbered already, 32,000 with uh, the army that Gideon had gathered together, up against this army of 120,000, 140,000. And so God says, the people who are with you are too many for me to give uh, the Midianites into their hands. Okay, so God says, uh, I'm going to change your plan, Gideon. I have another plan. I'm going to small, make your army smaller. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. Just think what was going on in Gideon's heart at that moment. I've done all this work. I have prepared. I have done what I can do. And now God's saying, mm, we're going to change this. Uh, you're outnumbered already, but I'm going to change this. Uh, number two in your notes there, God's purpose for his plan is for his glory. God's purpose for his plan is for his glory. When God is working and we see these things come in our life and you're, you're dealing with things that are up and down all the time, do you realize that God is trying to work a plan in your life and it is for his glory? He is not trying to make a plan for your comfort. For, our, for, our, for us to have this pleasure syndrome, but for us to be filled with His glory and for Him to get the glory for what is going on in our life. Look at the second half of verse 2, uh, chapter 7, verse 2. That people who are with you are too many for me to give to the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself among me, saying, My own hand has saved me. It was all about the glory of God. This army of 32,000 was about to be reduced. But why? It was so that God could be the one who gets the glory. In Zechariah 4.6 we see God says that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Would you read that with me? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is how you win battles. This is how God was telling the children of Israel to go out and fight and, and defend themselves by the Spirit of the Lord. Not by your military might, not by your power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And this is how we win battles in our life to this day. As you're going out and you're living the Christian life, you're trying to live for God, God says it's not by your own willpower. It's not by what you think you can do. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. Look over at uh, Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. And so this is where they were to find their strength and their might. 
Judges chapter 7, verse 3, we continue. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 people remained. So he has, he has this army, 32,000, and he tells them, he says, So you are going to, you're going to head out, and you're going to tell them, anybody who's afraid, they can leave. And imagine how, how much surprise that Gideon had when all of a sudden 22,000 men leave. And his army that was already outnumbered is now greatly reduced and it's down to 10,000. In Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 8, God had given provision uh, whenever they were going to war like this that they could tell those that are afraid to go back. Look at Deuteronomy 28. Then the officers will also say, Is anyone here afraid or worried? If you are, you may go home before you frighten anyone else. So they didn't want this fear factor to spread. And so they were dealing with the fear factor. And God says, I'm going to take all the men that are fear, afraid and send them home. Gideon probably wasn't thinking about that law that he could, uh, that he could pull out. And he wasn't thinking about that because he was trying to defend himself, basically. They weren't necessarily going out to, to gain new land, to expand their borders. But here, here we see that God says, I'm going to take and I'm going to reduce your army. So he's down to 10,000 men. And why is he doing this? So that nobody can take the credit. You know, even a coward can come after a victory and say, it was in our power. You know, I, I remember whenever, uh, whenever we were, uh, when I was coaching softball, my kids were in eight and under softball, I always had the underdog team. I don't know how that happened. Did you? I always thought it was the pick. I always said they stacked the team, and I, we just could never pull it off. But I think it had more to do with the coach than the pick, all right? And so I had the underdog team. We were never the winning team. And uh, one year we went in. I mean, we were just losing all season, and we went into the playoffs. We were the last seed. And I'll never forget, we went over here to White Oak, and I had to play the number one seed team. So here I am with my little eight under girls softball team. And I take in, and I've got my daughter on there, and I'm, I'm going over. I'm like, this is just going to be a brutal day. You know, I'm, I'm just not prepared for what's about to happen, you know, uh, to play the number one team. And would you believe we knocked out the number one team that day? My little team of eight-year-old, eight and unders, we knocked out the number one team. And I'll tell you what happened after that. There was one proud coach on your hands. I was like, you know, people were like, how did you do that? I said, well, we've been working hard all year, you know. And, uh, and it's like even the underdog can take, get prideful on a victory. And so that's what was going on here. God's saying, you know what, 32,000 to 140, yeah, they could possibly do that in their own strength. And, uh, and they, could, they could take the credit for it. So God says, 22,000 fearful, go home. Next, let's continue on here. And God wasn't finished yet. As we continue, verse 4, But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them there for you. Verse 5, So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, 
by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So God takes it and he says, the ones who are going to lap the water, they're going to be able to put their hands in and just basically lap it up. Like, just like a dog. And the, the word that's, that's used there actually has the, it's sound, in, the, in the original language, it has the sound, of, it's similar to like a dog lapping the water. And so he, he says, those that will go out and lap. In other words, they're just going to pick up the water and keep going. But the others, they got down on their knees, and they made a major event. They stopped for a water break. They, they got down at the river's edge, and they stopped, and they drank the water. He sent them home. So he went from 32,000 down to 10,000, and then from 10,000 down to 300 men. What was God doing? And imagine Gideon. God called him and said, you're a mighty man of valor. You are going to do this. I'm going to deliver Midian at your hand. And Gideon's probably thinking, uh, okay, Lord, I'm with you, but this is really different. Uh, how, did you, how did you get down to 300? God, couldn't we just send the 300 home and I keep the others? But God says, no, I'm going to work with the 300. We rarely think that bigness can, can be a hindrance to God's work. Sometimes it's harder to do it uh, with, with all the resources because we're not relying on God. And so he was taking them to the point where they would be relying on the Lord. And, that, and there would be only one way, that, that only one person who could get the credit, and that would be the Lord God himself. And so as he came to this point, Gideon is uh, uh, no doubt frustrated, but he has a weakness. And now look here what Paul had a weakness as well. In uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, so Paul says this, and Paul was one of the, remember, Paul was used by God tremendously. And look what Paul says. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger from Satan to torment, torment me and keep me from being proud. That's why God allowed this to happen in his life, to keep him from being proud. God resists the proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and the insults and the hardship and the persecutions and troubles that I have suffered for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So this is where, where the children of Israel are at. God was allowing them to have a weakness. Think with me. So much of our prayer, we ask God to give us resources. We're asking Him to build up our resources. But God, in this situation, is saying... I'm going to give you less resources. As a matter of fact, you had 32,000. I'm going to take this down to 300. And my resource, you're going to see what I can do with just a little bit. God can do great things with just a little bit. Uh, verse 8, Judges chapter 7, verse 8. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and uh, he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. And now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley... Uh, and, uh, and as we continue, verse 9, It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with your servant, 
Now think about this. I find myself sitting in verse 10 a lot. But if you are afraid. This is the next point in your notes. Gideon acted upon God's word despite his fear. Gideon acted upon God's word despite his fear. God says, I have delivered it. I, I find this really interesting. Verse 9 and 10 together. I have delivered you. You can go down to the camp. But, Gideon, if you are afraid, go down to the camp with your servant, and you will hear what they say, and afterwards your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. In other words, you will be greatly encouraged. Then he went down with his servant to the outpost of the armed men who were with him in the camp. Remember, Gideon didn't have a warrior's record. He wasn't a warrior. He didn't have a track record of being a great warrior. He had a farmer's record. And as this farmer was putting away food and trying to, trying to help in the way that he could, God calls him and gives him something to do. And God changes his plan along the way. And now, here he is, and God knows his servant. God knows that he has fear. God knows that that fear is something that Gideon has to deal with. And so he comes to him and he says, Gideon, if you are afraid, go down. And I want you to, to think with me about this, that it's okay to be afraid. It's not okay to let it stop you. It's okay to be afraid. It's not okay to let fear stop you. I, I, I had this, this idea that all these men in the Bible, when I was growing up in the church and they would teach us the story of Gideon and Moses and all the great Old Testament characters, I would say, those guys are heroes. And they really are. They, God did some great and mighty things through them. But think with me about this, that Gideon had this fear, and God even had a provision that says, if you are afraid. So Gideon had fear, but he didn't let his fear stop him from crossing over from his fear to obedience. God told him to do something, and he said, I want you to obey me and go do this. And so when, when Gideon came to that moment of fear, he had to cross over. It's okay to be afraid. It's not okay to let it stop you. Now, if, I, if I'm coming to some things in my life that, that I know that God wants me to do, and, and you have areas of your life as well that you know God wants you to do things, things He wants you to obey Him in, and when we come right to that edge, we come right to that moment, it's like, okay, I believe the Lord, I love the Lord, and now it's time to obey, and it's like, oh, I have to step across, and it's an act of faith, and I have to put my foot out, and I have to trust what the Lord says. And I have to go and follow what he's told me to do. Uh, here, here's one example. is like God's told us that we're to forgive others. And so in my relationships, whether it be a work relationship, family relationship, whatever, uh, we have a conflict and there's, uh, there's anger that happens. And, and uh, what do I have to do? I have to come over here and I have to say, okay, God, you told me to forgive. And God, that means this and that I'm... I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'll have to let go. Of, I'm afraid that I won't win. And we go through all these reasoning, and you know what? God says, just obey me and walk with me, and I will even help you to forgive, and we'll go there. Uh, here's, here's tithing. You know, we, we, we have our offering. We gave our offering to the Lord this morning, and, and we, God's given you 100% of what you have, and, and we give that 10% back to God. And when we give that 10% back to God, you know I'm really obeying him. Quite often I've said to my wife, wow, imagine what we could do with that 10%. You know, and I don't know, maybe you've ever had that discussion in your house, but we've thought of that quite often. You know, we could, we could take a car payment on, 
or a half a car payment, okay? We could take this, though. We could do that. And you know what? When we come up to that edge, and it's like, you know what? No, no, no. That belongs to the Lord. And I give it to God. And so what I do, I step across, and I have this fear that if I give God this, I won't have enough for what I want. And you see, that is really a hard place to be, isn't it? If I do what God said, God said, give this to him because it belongs to him, not because I was happy to give it, but because it belongs to him. And so I say, okay, Lord, I'm giving to you because this is yours. You've given it to me. I'm handing it back to you. And I come right there and God says, it's okay. It's okay. Just trust me. I have the plan. And I see God do this over and over in our lives. Uh, there are so many areas of our life. And you can look there. Uh, how about in your family? Uh, you know, as men, we have to learn how to communicate. Uh, that's not typically one of our strong points, is it, for us men? You know, we, we're, we, uh, sometimes my wife says, you have to learn how to listen. I said, I'm great at talking. She goes, you need to learn to listen. Learn, learn to listen to me, all right? And that's, that's part of growing. And, and why do I do, why do I have, why is that important? Why is that, there's a fear moment, right? Okay, if I listen, I won't be able to go fishing tonight. If I listen, or this or that, and we have all these things that we put in, in the place, and God says, listen, just trust me. Walk across and step out in faith and obey me. Love your family. Care for your family. Serve in the church. Come out and do what, do what God's called you to do. And these are different areas. And one of the greatest areas is the, the whole area of salvation. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin. And he came back to life again. And he says, all you have to do is come over here and trust me with your life. And there's fear at that moment. Well, what if, what if I'm not good enough? Well, God says you don't have to be good enough. He died on the cross to pay for your sin. And when he came back to life again, he conquered death. And all you have to do is simple by faith, trust him that he died on the cross and accept his gift of eternal life. Verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 12. The Amorites, the Midianites, and the Amalekites, the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. Barley bread was, uh, was not, not, not something for the, for the rich. It was for the poor. And uh, it was also something that w uh, became uh, associated with some, in this vision would be something that from your enemy. It would be... Not from, a, not from a great enemy, from something lowly, they would call it. And uh, verse 14, look how his companion answered. Your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all of his allies. God is giving Gideon the, the victory. So here's Gideon. God says, if you are afraid, go down and talk. Go down and listen to what, what's happening over there. And you will come back greatly encouraged. So, Gideon obviously was afraid because God said, if you're afraid, go. And, and Gideon went. And just at the right timing, think about this, of all the timing, God made the timing perfect that Gideon goes over and he hears what these men are talking under the cover of night. And he comes back and he's greatly encouraged. And the fourth point in your notes this morning is that Gideon reacted to God's, to, to God's word by worshiping the Lord. 
Gideon reacted by worshiping the Lord. When Gideon heard, verse 15, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianites. So when we see the hand of the Lord at work, our first reaction is to worship. God wants us to respond to who he is. And when, when you've seen God do things in your life, God says, I want you to stop and I want you to worship me. I want you to remember from whose hand. Whose provision is this? God is providing for you. God's provided for you that job. God's provided for you your family. God's provided for you the air that you breathe. And you get to come to him and say, Lord, I thank you and I stop and I worship for you are my God. And this is the, the one important part of this whole the passage here is that we're to stop and have moments where we worship. There are things that happen in your life throughout the week and you can stop and say, wow, God was there and I saw the hand of God there. And when I see the hand of God there, I need to stop and worship him. And it comes all different times. And we're to pause and say, Lord, you did this. God, you, you're, you're a great God. And we can go, go for all, all throughout our week responding to him. So uh, verse 16, then he divided the 300 men into the three companies and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you will also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So he sends them out, divides the, divides the 300 men up. Now, think about this. This could only be the hand of God. Uh, the, the, the Midianites were kind of in a valley. They were surrounding them, and they come out with three different groups of 100. And they have their torches. They have their pitchers. They have their trumpets. And they go off. And the battle, uh, battles are victorious with the sword of the Lord. Okay, that's their last point in your notes. Battles are victorious with the sword of the Lord. God's word is what gives us the victory in the battle. So Gideon and the hundred men who were in the middle, uh, uh, the other men who were with him, came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pictures, pictures there with them in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Each man stood in his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were killed fled to places as far as away, and he names the cities there. Then Gideon sent for the, uh, sent for the warriors uh, who joined in chasing the army of Midian. So God says, I have a different plan. I'm going to change your plan, and your plan is going to be relying on me. And this is where God has called us to go. And as we look at this this morning, I want to remind you of just a few thoughts that we came from this passage. Number one, we must guard ourselves uh, against forgetting and failing to teach our children. Uh, Israel was in, a, it was in a situation where they had strayed from the Lord. They had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. 
The next generation didn't catch it. They didn't go out and they didn't, they didn't do what was the, the, the right thing to keep them focused on a dependent life upon the Lord. And that's what we have got to do. We've got to raise our families. Uh, my, my family is no longer one of these little kids up here on the stage. I remember those days. I cherish those days. But uh, we laid a strong foundation for them in their life, teaching them the things of God, raising them in, in, in Sunday school and in, in, in kids' church and all these things around the church. However, my kids are now 16 and 18. I've got one heading off to college this week. And uh, you know what? My parenting is different. But I'm still dad. And as dad, guess what I have to do? I have to always be holding the torch of the sword of the Lord high in the life of my kids. And so one of these days, uh, my kids will be 30. And I'll be older. And I still will hold the sword of the Lord high in their life. Why? Because I want to be living a life dependent upon the Lord. And I want these kids that are becoming adults, and as they begin to raise their families down the road, to see who God really is, have a dependency upon Him, that they can win the battles of their life with the sword of the Lord. It was by the word of the Lord. Gideon won this battle by going in obedience to the word of the Lord. You can go out there and you can live your life and do whatever you choose to do. But when you come and you're obedient to the word of the Lord, that's where you win the battle. And it's just that simple. I have a choice to make. Do I trust God or do I trust what I think is good? And we will always go back and forth with that issue. But as we, uh, as a church and as families in our church, we must not forget, we must not fail to teach our children till the day we die that our God is the victorious God, that our God is the powerful God, and our God is the one who will change your life. Secondly, I want you to realize that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Gideon was just an ordinary farmer, and God said, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. I am going to deliver this enemy to your hands. And God uses ordinary people, just like you, just like me, to, to do his work. And there are extraordinary things that are happening all over this church. There are extraordinary things that are happening in our community because God is using you. And when we, we go out there and we just take a step of obedience, it could be something as small as bringing in a, 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 a one of these bags to help the community. It could be telling somebody, somebody told me that at work they shared, a, uh, shared that they would pray for somebody. And it opened up an opportunity for them to to begin to tell more about the Lord and it opened up this, this whole great thing. And boy, that's so exciting because you took a step of faith and you said, I'll pray for you. And that, that opens up so many avenues for God to do so many great things. But it is by the word of the Lord that we win the victory, not by some great scheme, some great program. It's by the sword of the Lord. A small number can do much with God. God is not looking necessarily to build resources. He's looking to build dependency upon Him. And there are times in your life when the resources get low. Uh, it could be financial, emotional, physical. As those resources drop, God says, I want you to depend on me because I am accomplishing something in your life. We can grow from doubt to great faith just like Gideon did. 
And I want to encourage you to do the same as Gideon. Follow this. Follow this example. For Jesus died on the cross. He paid for our sin. He came back to the life again. And the victory has already been won. And God's, God has given us the opportunity today to open our heart and accept Him. Invite Him into your heart as your personal Savior. That's the beginning. For others, you need to take the next step and say, I'm going to deal with fear and I'm going to become obedient. I'm going to cross over and obey what the Lord has called me to do. Let's bow in prayer. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like to encourage you this morning to respond to the Lord. As we've looked at His Word this morning, we see a powerful God who's doing powerful things in people's lives. That God wants to continue to work in your life. This morning we're going to have a baptism at the close of our service and we're going to see how somebody's life was changed by God because of the power of God in, in their lives. I want to encourage you to do the same. And As you're here seated this morning, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just respond to the Lord? If you've not yet opened, him, opened up your heart to Him and accepted Him as your personal Savior, would you invite Him in today? You can pray a prayer something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong in your sight, but I come to you today and I, I trust you. I trust that you died on the cross to pay for my sin, that you came back to life for me, and I invite you into my life right now, Lord. God, I thank you for, for that gift of eternal life, and thank you for allowing me to partake of that. For others in the church this morning, maybe you are dealing with an area of obedience and there's fear. God says, it's okay if you're afraid. Just obey. My power will take care of your fear. Respond to the Lord this morning. Respond as Gideon did. He worshiped the Lord and then he followed through with action. I'd like to encourage you to worship the Lord today. And then as we leave this place, follow through with action. Father God, I ask now that you will be upon this service as we close. Be upon the baptism as we, as, we, uh, as we celebrate what you're doing in people's lives. God, I thank you for, for your word. Thank you for the story of Gideon, for the, the rich history that we have that actually happened, that you moved and worked in this man's life. Thank you for allowing us to, to draw these great applications to our life. I ask that you will move my lamb among your people. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together this morning as we close our service. I'd like to stand and sing our closing song. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, please feel free to do so.